0: watching up close or watching from afar. You never want to see any of your teammates go through something like that, but the best part about this entire situation is that it's a bone, and bones always heal. Obviously the locker room was a little sad. You know, we had lost a big part of our offense and our defense from a a playing standpoint, but Nurk is still a part of the team, he'll be around. I'm excited to see how a lot of those college guys will fare in the NBA. You look at Zion, you look at Cam, you look at RJ, you look at Grant Williams, you look at a lot of different players who have shown they have the ability and capability of contributing right away. Yeah, I mean, I think he's serious about retiring, but you also have to remember he's coming off of a Super Bowl in which he was a big, big factor in that. If Tom Brady calls him and says he needs him at some point during this season, don't be surprised if Gronk decides to come back. Welcome to the Meta World Peace episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 51. Currently in Portland, Oregon, enjoying some time at home, uh, working out, rehabbing twice a day, spending a lot of time with Logan, uh, trying to develop the muscles around the knee, um, and trying to continue to strengthen my lower half while getting conditioning, uh, game shape, as close to game shape as possible um, th- during this, this current road trip our team's on. Uh, facing the Chicago Bulls right now, I don't think we have the Atlanta Hawks, um, Detroit Pistons, Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, and then they will be returning. So I'm just trying to get myself uh, ready to play uh, as soon as possible, trying to make sure that everything heals properly and uh, continue to take the right and proper steps to, to get myself back to 100%. Obviously, the NCAA tournament's going on right now. Uh, big fella, Nurk, I you know, went down with a season-ending injury. So shout out to my guy, Nurk, man. We miss you, big fella. We're going to continue to you know, rally around you and support you and help you get through this trying time. Uh, we will be back uh, together as a squad in the near future. Uh, Chris Bosch gets his jersey retired. Gronk retires. NFL does something. Cliff Kingsbury does something. Uh, without further ado, welcome Jordan Schultz to the pull-up pod, as always, Jordan. First things first, we had Taco fall on, and then he goes and performs. He showed out. He played well enough uh, for his team to win the game. couple plays uh, down the stretch that proved to be costly, a tip that I thought should have went in. Evan Turner blamed it on the Wilson balls. Um, how's your bracket holding up?
1: You know what? It's actually doing pretty well, Mr. McCollum, uh, for one— I really trusted my gut with Gonzaga. So I'm going to – everything is revolving around them, my preseason pick. But, uh, you know, Duke – I'm happy you brought that up because I think people are finally seeing that as talented as Duke is, and they are incredibly talented, you know, this team has not played its best basketball down the stretch. You know, Zion was hurt, um, and they're just not – a great offensive team. I mean, they can score in bunches because they have great one-on-one players and athletes, but they don't shoot the three well at all. They've consistently been um, the bottom of the ACC all league or all year in shooting threes. And I think when you see them defensively, um, you know, they made some mistakes against UCF. Now, UCF, give them a lot of credit. Taco was really good. I thought he played great. Uh, Taylor was terrific. And uh, Aubrey Dawkins is a pro. I mean, I give them a ton of credit, but. But I just thought Duke, for a team that we were expecting to be this juggernaut that we've certainly seen from them, I just didn't think they played well, and they really haven't played all that well the last month.
0: Yeah, I don't think they played particularly well either. I think their stars showed up. Obviously, Zion had a big bucket down the stretch, misses the free throw, and allows RJ, RJ Barrett, the other sensational freshman, to come up with the rebound and put them up by one. But if you look at the way UCF controlled the game, the way they guarded uh, the Duke offense, allowing some of those guards to just have wide-open shots. Uh, More specifically, that clip that went viral on the the player from UCF, waving his hand at the Duke guards, insisting on them shooting it as they turn down jumper after jumper from the top of the key. I think that the blueprint is kind of out on how to guard the other players uh, outside of R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and Zion. Obviously, the players are talented, but they lack some of the uh, essential skill sets needed to to be dominant on their perimeter. Um, shooting threes and being able to make jump shots is, is crucial, especially in the NCAA tournament uh, when it's more about a half-court offense and being able to uh, score and, and crunch uh, pressure situations.
1: Yeah, so here's what I'd ask you about that is, because I agree with you. I think you saw a blueprint from a team in UCF that clearly, and, and obviously Johnny Dawkins being with Coach K for so long, clearly knew how to guard them. Um, But that idea of loading up on Zion and loading up on Barrett, and you know even Cam Reddish, he's only shooting 33% on the year from three. Uh, Barrett's 31, Williamson's 33, and Trey Jones is 23. So the idea that you can load up on Barrett and Williamson and force Reddish and Jones to beat you, um, those guys are really talented, but I think that's the best chance you have to try and beat Duke. Now, you're never going to shut down Barrett or Williamson, but if you can make it uncomfortable for him uh, and clog up that paint, I, I just think that they're not, I don't want to say vulnerable, but they're certainly not at their best. And then if you take away the transition, uh, Duke suddenly becomes a half court team, and, and again, they're just not super efficient. So, I, I, it's fascinating to me that we're in this position. I think it would have been a catastrophic deal for the tournament if we would have lost Zion, because I don't think there's another guy you look at it like, you know, you know, we must see TV. Other than maybe our guest today, Grant Williams. I mean, and and Schofield and Bone, like those three guys, um, faces of the tournament. I don't really know if there is that. So I, I'm excited that Duke's still playing in that sense. But but, see, I think the pressure has is going to continue to to increase for them as we get closer and closer to the Final Four.
0: Yeah, it's only going to get harder for them to come away with victories, especially. Uh, Once teams begin to zone them up, if a team gets hot on one particular night, or if one of the big three, I'm calling them the big three now they're in college, but if one of the big three uh, gets in foul trouble or has an off-shooting night, all those things could determine uh, the fate of that Duke program. And as they get closer to the lead eight in the final four, it's going to come down to execution, it's going to come down to whether or not the other team has an impact player. You look at Dawkins from UCF, he was an impact player, a guy capable of taking a game over, and he did just that. And... The, the most interesting part of all of this was the fact that they were in that game uh, for its entirety. They had two chances to win it on the last possession, but ultimately uh, missed, missed what would have been the game winner.
1: Let me ask you, from a standpoint of like watching great guard play, um, the tournament usually lends itself to great guards. We've seen the Kemba Walkers, uh, Napiers, and um, guys like you, C.J. McCollum, have incredible runs in the tournament, just shifting gears a little bit. I don't know how much you caught a John Morant, but at least from the highlights and, and some, of, some of the Murray State games, what what did you see from him that you think this guy can be a, a real superstar or a real difference maker right away as a pro?
0: I liked him right away. I've been watching him... Uh throughout most of this season, you know, seeing his ability to to make his teammates better, seeing the explosiveness, his pace, his vision, and how everyone kind of responds to him around him. You know, he seems like a very likable guy, Uh, and I think he had a great showing in the tournament. He showed his ability to pass. He showed his ability to lead a team. He controlled the pace of the game, and he scored in a a multitude of ways. He he finished around the basket. He drew fouls. uh, He hit threes in that final game against Florida State, and although... His team was overmatched. They had a lot of length and they made it difficult for him. He dominated that first half and uh, basically scored, what, 28 of his team's 60 points uh, or whatever they ended up with and kind of showed, you know, what he could do in open floor, what he could do in a pick and roll and how he can really, really adjust his game to the NBA and flourish.
1: Yeah, I, I love the kid. I, I think his his upside is through the roof. I think his floor is really high because he His ability to get downhill, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but his ability to get downhill, pick and roll, um, run a team. He's a great passer. He's a willing passer. Uh, he has a, a really special feel for a guy that has not played a ton of basketball, just a sophomore. Um, and he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He plays like a guy that, uh, like you that wasn't recruited by all the big schools and, and just has that extra oomph that you need to be a great pro. Is, is all that fair?
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. I think the fact that he played in South Carolina, a small city, uh, was teammates with Zion and wasn't recruited by a lot of the big schools kind of shows you his mindset and the chip he has uh, on his shoulder. He plays angry. He plays with a, a passion, a sense of aggression, and... I'm excited to see, you know, how he fares in the NBA. I'm excited to see, you know, how a lot of those, you know, college guys will fare in the NBA. You look at Zion, you look at Cam, you look at RJ, you look at Grant Williams, you look at a lot of different players um who have shown they have the ability and capability of, you know, contributing right away uh, at the next level.
1: Anybody else stand out to you? Like have you seen any player specifically that you said, wow, I didn't I didn't know he had that or That guy's really
0: special. Have you seen that yet? Yeah, there's a kid, the the, the point guard, Cassius Winston from Michigan State. I like him a lot. I haven't seen him on a lot of draft boards, but um, I like his pace. I like his leadership qualities, capabilities. Uh, He makes his teammates better, and he's just a dog. And I think that, you know, having watched a little bit of of Virginia, uh, they have a couple players who can really impact uh, the game at the offensive end and defensive end with length, shooting ability. And there's a kid from Kentucky who's hurt right now, not playing. I think he's very skilled and, and has some versatility.
1: Yeah, no, he's, P.J. Washington's really good. You talked about these DeAndre Hunter and Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, those guys, I mean, I think Hunter's a lottery pick. I think Jerome is a first-round pick. And uh, Cassius Winston, I mean, we, we heard Tom Izzo when he came on a couple weeks ago talk about, you know, maybe he's not the most explosive or the highest jumper, but he, like you said, he has great pace, feel, He's tough, and uh, there's a reason why he was uh, first-team All-Big Ten. He, he's really special. Um, changing gears a little bit, see, um for you guys, what what has been the tenor of the locker room since the, the NERC injury, and what have you said to him? Because I know you went to see him at the hospital. Just kind of take us through that.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a very unique situation, uh, one that you hope uh, you never have to experience or be a part of, you know. Uh, whether that's watching up close or watching from afar, you never want to see any of your uh, teammates, more specifically, you know, guys that you consider a brother, uh, go through something like that. And uh, being able to see see something like that up close, you know, you just feel for him. You feel for his family. Uh, he works so hard. He loves the game. Uh, you you always, you know, say things like, you know, he didn't deserve that. You know what I mean? He's a guy who does things the right way. He works on his craft every day. He's gotten better. He's having a career year. Uh, he's you know the man in the middle on our team who who does a lot for us, you know, offensively you know, and defensively, initiating initiating the offense, uh, making passes, finishing around the basket, protecting the rim for us, guarding, picking rolls. We're just a better team with him out there. And it's obvious based on the success we've had with him in the lineup and, you know, what he means to us. So just to, you know, see him have to go through that, man, I just felt for him. I just wanted to go visit him, you know, spend some time with him. I brought him some flowers and a candle because I wasn't sure if he was a plant guy or a flower guy. But um, the candle is really dope and it smells good. So I told him, you know, get you a nice bath with wifey. Enjoy some some alone time. Um, and once you get home and are able to recover and just clear your mind, understanding that it's going to be a journey. It's going to be difficult at times to get through uh, the rehab phase of it. And as you transition back to the court, just remember that, you know, you're not doing this alone. You know we'll be, we'll be with you every step of the way, and that it's just uh, all about taking it one day at a time. And I think that he was in good spirits considering the circumstances. Uh, you know, he said that he had been through something similar to this before. He'll get through it again. And the best part about this entire situation is that it's a bone, and bones always heal. So. Uh, I'm confident he'll be back uh, better than he was when he left. You look at Paul George, you know, he's having a career year. He's the best he's ever been. Uh, You look at Gordon Hayward, who's transitioning back. He's having flashes of brilliance and continuing to to settle in, you know, over there in Boston. You look at Karis LeVert, you know, he's back to playing at a high level. Um, And the list goes on and on on players who have gone through, you know, those types of injuries and, and been able to have success. So obviously the locker room was a little sad. You know, we had clinched the playoffs and, uh, lost a big, big, uh, part of our offense and our defense from a, from a playing standpoint, but Nurk is still a part of the team. He'll be around. Uh, I'll continue to check on him, uh, make sure he's doing okay and, uh, watch him as he progresses through the rehab phase. But, uh, you never want to see anything like that in the NBA. So it was, it was, you know, tough to watch.
1: Yeah, it really was, you know, he's 24 years old. He's really become one of the best young centers in the league. He can pass, shoot, protect the rim. He does everything. Um, when when you got hurt, both well both now, but also going back to your senior year at Lehigh, um, how important was it to lean on people around you and to trust that um, you know you would you would eventually get back out there to, to, to trust the process, if you will?
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's very important to have a supporting cast around you, a family and people that care about you and can you know kind of lift you up and encourage you because you know being hurt can take you to a dark space and a dark place. Um, you're lonely at times, you're injured, you're not able to do a lot of things. So you have to rely on people to do uh, day-to-day activities that you're accustomed to doing by yourself. So, you know, having to lead on people, you know, not being able to perform, you know, being around the team as much as you're accustomed to, uh, it can be frustrating. You know, you can, you can begin to, to gain anxiety. You can begin to, to go through phases of depression about of uh, uncertainty and just you know trying to figure out you know the next steps and how you can overcome it and there's some really really challenging days and uh i I had some dark times man i had some tough times you know in college um you know missing the rest of my senior year and just you know being uh, worried about my future you know being worried about you know whether or not i'm going to be able to pursue my dream and, and, and ever walk the same ever play the same you know depending on the severity of the injury i had to learn how to like do a lot of certain things that I was accustomed to doing and that were easy to me, learning how to walk again, learning how to move your toes again. My pinky toe wasn't able to move it for quite some time. And I was worried that I wouldn't have feeling in my pinky toe because of you know where the screw was inserted in my fifth metatarsal. So there's a lot of stuff that you go through. I remember you know a lot of days where my therapy consisted of trying to pick up marbles with my feet and drop them in a cup. And at the beginning, I couldn't do it. So you got to imagine being able to play the game at the highest level, not being able to pick up a marble with your foot and drop it in a cup can be extremely frustrating and challenging. So uh, there's just a lot of stuff you go through uh, and it's always better if you don't have to do it on your own. So uh, just being able to be there for support, someone to lean on, someone to talk to, someone to just... You know, bring positive vibes and good juju. You know, I think that's something that we all need, you know, on a day-to-day basis, whether we're hurt or not, and, you know, Lurk's family. You know, I love that, that man to death. You know, he's a really good dude. Uh, he's impacted not only our team, but our lives, you know, in, in a good way. And I just wanted him to understand how, how appreciated and loved he is, not just, you know, from our team, but me personally.
1: When, uh, it just, when, you, when you get hurt, it's almost like um, it's really easy to get disconnected from uh, from from people from from your teammates from that day to day I mean it's not the same level but um, when I, I I had a terrible ankle injury my sophomore year in college and and I was super depressed and uh, I gained weight I didn't want to do anything I just I can imagine like especially at this level when there's so much on the line like the, you know making sure that you don't fall into that pattern of depression or just like uh you know solace by yourself is just enormously important as you start to turn the corner because you're you're going to have it's going to be a long process and and it's hard to see the finish line if you if you just continually find ways to pout and feel sorry for yourself it's going to make
0: things worse and worse yeah absolutely and i think you know one of the important things that i always tell people is that it's important to go through that phase you know go through feeling sorry for yourself go through you know, those days of asking why me and you know, why this have to happen. You know, what have I done wrong? Because it's natural. Those are natural reactions to to certain tragedies and traumas that we go through. But then, you know, take a take a couple of days, whatever it is, to go through that and then understand that it's time to lock in, you know, figure out what you got to do every day to be successful, what you got to do every day to, to gain a little bit uh, more. Whether that be you know, walking a little bit better, being able to lift your leg up a little bit higher, being able to move those toes a little bit quicker, a little bit faster. Just being able to get a little bit better each day, And it all starts with your mentality and approach, you know, how you approach it. You know, are you being positive you know, each day? Are you being thankful you know, for the situation you're in regardless of the circumstances? Understanding that there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, I think that Nurk's in a position where he's gone through a fracture in his leg before. He's recovered and been better than he was, you know, before he left. And I think that he'll get to that point again.
1: Shifting gears to the NFL, a big, really a big week in the NFL, NFL owners meetings in Phoenix. Um, the past interference calls and non-calls are now reviewable, which is, I think, really good news. But also, Rob Grumkowski retired. Uh, a, do you think he's actually done? Because I'm not convinced. And B, how great would it be to have some kind of Rob Gronkowski broadcast, whether it's Monday Night Football or, like, Rob Gronkowski. I heard this on uh, Dan Patrick's show the other day. Rob Gronkowski, like, during a football game at his house, just hanging out with his buddies, talking about the game. Like, so, basically, two, 2 front questions. Is he done? And then, secondly, don't we need more Gronk on TV?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's serious about retiring like I think that's his plan his objective and where he's at with his life right now but you also have to remember uh, he's he's coming off a championship you know he's coming off of a super bowl in which he was a big big factor in that he probably has movie role op- opportunities he's vacationing with his family his friends his girl um, He's really enjoying life right now and in a good space to where he feels like, man, I, I've accomplished enough in basketball. I'm done. But as as we've seen historically, you know, with, with guys like Gronk and, and people who really love the game, and as Drew Rosenhaus, Rosenhouse's agent mentioned, if Tom Brady calls him and says he needs him at some point during this season, don't be surprised if Gronk decides to come back. So that tells you that he still has the love. He still would play if persuaded into coming back. It's just about whether or not Tom is going to do that at some point this season.
1: When you've had that kind of success and you're going to be a Hall of Famer and you've won championships, um, what you don't want to do is training camp. What you don't want to do is, is you know, go go report in July and August and you know practice every day in the heat for hours. I mean, it's not it's not the games that's the problem. It's the the, the grind of it, especially in the preseason. That's why you're saying, like, if, Rose, if, Rose, if, Rose now was saying, if Gronk calls, if uh, Tom Brady calls in week six and says, I need you, you know, assuming Gronk was in relatively good shape, he wouldn't have to do all that other stuff that nobody really wants to do as better
0: Yeah, I agree. He, he maybe wanted to just miss uh, preseason, uh, spring training and OTAs. You know, that's something that uh, could be a part of his objective, uh, just being able to rest, re- refocus.
1: Wouldn't it be great to have Gronk on TV in some... I don't know if it's like WWE or like football games, analysts, something. Like, don't you feel like we need we need more Gronk?
0: Having Gronk on covering a game with his buddies or or college friends would be hilarious. That's something that that's something that we would definitely enjoy as a society. Uh, being able to watch him, you know, critique a game, especially if he has some alcohol in his system, I can only imagine how funny uh, that would be.
1: Well, that's what they were saying. Today on VP show when Dan was like I don't know if uh it, what would be the situation by the fourth quarter like would, would Gronk have anything left to offer?
0: Because
1: uh. <laughs> we know we, we know Gronk can go. Yosoy yes, we know he can go.
0: Yeah, Gronk Gronk can really get after it. All
1: right, quickly on the on the PI stuff. Uh, what, what did you what did you make of this? Because basically um, there's going to be a booth review under two minutes each half. And if you think about that, that would obviously have changed the Rams-Saints-NFC Championship result. And, uh, and I think it's a good thing that we're using technology at our disposal, like other sports are, um, and like other rules in the NFL are, to actually make the game uh, better. Do, do, you,
0: do you agree? I think it'll be super dope to be able to critique you know, both sides of the football. A lot of times the defense gets the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes the only the offense gets the benefit of the doubt. So being able to kind of even it out a little bit, and being able to allow the teams the opportunity to to protest um, certain calls that are made, especially under two minutes, which is when the games are really closely contested and wins and losses are decided by those you know possessions uh, that take place under two minutes during the two minute drill. And I think it'll it'll make DBs and defensive backs and um, line linebackers and, and all those players more aware of the contact that they're uh, putting forth, you know, at the line of scrimmage, beyond the line of scrimmage, and I think receivers will be, you know, more aware of, you know, their ability or lack thereof to to get away with certain things. And uh, being a Cleveland Browns fan with our receiving core, uh, I'm excited about the opportunity for them to be able to review uh, pass interference and non calls under two minutes because we have a great offense, um, with the ability to throw the deep ball, with the ability to hand the ball off out the backfield. And I can only imagine how this will be a nice little weapon to have in our pocket for Browns fans.
1: Did you see, by the way, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Arizona Cardinals head coach, he says he'll give players phone breaks. Uh, Basically, meetings will be shorter, phone breaks uh, as a result. Um, I, I don't know. Part of me, like, loves this. And the other part of me is is kind of perplexed. You know, for those who don't know, Kingsbury comes from Texas Tech. He was supposed to be the USC head coach. He ends up uh, going to the Cards. He's a brilliant offensive mind by a lot of people's standards. But this is like a different approach, phone breaks.
0: When I initially seen it today in the weight room as I was lifting, I thought about how long those meetings must be for football players, you know, going over film. Uh, Working on the offense, working on the defense, you know, touching up on some techniques and things of that nature. So it must be really, really long film sessions, which I can attest, you know, we have long film sessions at times and we have shorter ones. And um, it's hard to keep your attention span, you know, intact for over, you you know, 40, 45 minutes. That's when you begin to kind of wonder. I can only imagine what it's like for uh, Lyman. The brain, is, it's hard for it to concentrate and focus on anything you know, as it is. So being able to have a break and kind of step away, especially in those longer meetings, I think it makes sense. Whether or not that means getting on your phone is another story. But I think the biggest thing for him is just making sure players are focused in and being able to, you know, kind of re- refresh and... Uh, refocus, you know, while they're watching film, but not lose them is his main objective and goal. And I think that, you know, with him being in, in this position and doing that, he must obviously want to be on his phone as well at some point during these long meetings and, and days of of critiquing film and breaking down games.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. How much of this is for the coaches? Um, <laughs> do you think like what 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 helps you during these long meetings and arduous film sessions? Have, do you have phone breaks? What, you know, what what do you like to do to refresh your mind, especially when, you know, maybe your team's on a losing streak, and not playing well, you need something to get away.
0: Yeah, we do not have phone breaks. Um, phones are usually in the locker room once we go in to watch film. Uh, at times we'll watch film with coaches in individual sessions and um, just kind of wor- working on, you know, certain things, you know, seeing the game a different way, understanding defensive assignments, often offensive assignments and ways I could have made a better decision or better play, but, um I just kind of I get something to drink. I will stretch. I'll do some different things to kind of you know maintain focus and lock in. Understanding that this is your job, uh, you have an opportunity here to, to try to get better, and uh, you should just take advantage of that time, and then you can you can resume your other activities once you're done. Do you think the fact that Kingsbury is not in, not an NFL guy um,
1: and doesn't have the NFL experience, him coming into the league with You know, a younger approach of let's have phone breaks. Will that endear himself to players, especially younger players?
0: I think that they'll respect it and be, you know, thankful that he was able to provide them with that opportunity to kind of get on your phone. Maybe you have kids. I mean, there's a lot of things that could go into that. I know he talked about social media uh, and, and how the new millennials are addicted and obsessed, which is true. A lot of us are obsessed with our phones, you know, regardless of age and, and where you grow up at. Uh, you're used to having it in your hands. You're used to texting. You're used to talking on it, checking your social media. But some people have families. Uh, some people have, you know, kids, young young kids, and things could be going wrong or, or just being able to check in and, you know, see your baby or, or talk to your baby during a long day is something that people are probably, you know, happy to have the opportunity to do. You think about how much time we spend, at the facilities, whether that's the practice facility or the arena or the weight room, breaking down film, getting treatment. Um, you're with your teammates and the staff more than you're with your actual family. So being able to kind of check in from time to time is definitely a bonus and something I'm sure a lot of guys will uh, appreciate. More show on in a minute. But first, support for Pull Up with CJ McCollum comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website. Choose the template you love and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this podcast. That's right. Listen to my podcast and create your website now. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their websites, so you should create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash pull up to get 10% off.
2: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive twenty percent off IXL membership when they sign up today at ixl.com/audio. Visit ixl.com/audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
0: Okay, back to the show. We want to welcome Grant Williams to the Pull Up Pod, um, junior forward for the Tennessee Volunteers out of Charlotte, North Carolina. His team is currently the number. Two seed in the South bracket, uh, they're going to be facing uh, Purdue on Thursday, uh, with a chance to go to the Elite Eight. They beat my Patriot League fellow friends of Colgate in the first round and uh, held Iowa off in in the second round. You're know, looking at Grant's stats and achievements. Uh, Grant is the SEC Player of the Year, two-time Player of the Year. He's the uh, first player to win back-to-back uh, since '95-'96. The only Ten players have ever achieved that feat. Bernard King, Pistol Pete Maravich, Shaquille O'Neal, Coles Williamson. Uh, that's a bar, man. And uh, this week you were named first-team All-American by the National Association of Basketball Coaches. So uh, welcome to the pull-up pod, man, and congrats on the success you've had uh, this far.
3: Thank you. I appreciate that. It's been really a good year, and we're trying to keep it going.
0: Yeah, man, I, I want to take it back a little bit. I did some research on you, uh, a little bit of reading on your history. Um I know you came into to college at 260 pounds. I seen the before picture and the after picture, the 2008 photo, look like you got some abs now, man. Look like you're leaving the Bojangles at home and uh, are taking good care of yourself, man. So um, just first and foremost, um, what was it like coming out of Charlotte, you know, not getting offered by Davidson, you know, having an offer from Yale, having an offer from Wolford, and then, you know, ultimately, you know, being seen by Tennessee late. What? How did that kind of motivate you, you know, as you head in, headed into your uh, freshman year uh, at Tennessee?
3: Honestly, it just kept me with the right mentality of understanding that I had a lot of things that I could become and how much I could improve if I got my body in the shape that I needed to be in. And the coach always was honest with me and told me that I could accomplish a lot of great things if hour to really buy in and work hard. So for me, it was always about understanding that it might be hard. Or it might be difficult because there's certain things that I love to eat back in the day and it's things that I enjoy to do. But, uh, I realized that it's better for me to worry about that. I can all do that all 20 years from now when I'm done versus nowadays I focus on myself and making sure I'm ready to go every single day and night.
1: Greg, When you started to have some success and you started to drop the weight and get in better shape, um, how much easier, or it, did it become easier, for you to to stay on that road? It feels like when guys are, take that next step um, and try to get themselves in great shape, it's usually the start that's harder, right? And then it gets easier.
3: No doubt, it was definitely difficult at first because there's a lot of foods that I had to get rid of and I had to learn how to substitute in order to get that nutritional value. But once I learned, it took me a while because when you're young, I was 17 years old, I was hard-headed. So most of my freshman year, I was still hard and struggling with it. But then after a year, maybe a little bit less than that, I realized um, I could accomplish more. Um, I was told by Coach Barnes that I could possibly be freshman of the year if I worked hard enough. And instead of that, I was all, all freshman team. And I missed freshman year because I was getting tired at the end of the year, so tired of certain games or certain situations. So I really bought in and then made sure that summer
0: that I worked as hard as I could. I read something that talked about your first uh, closed scrimmage against against Davison. Uh, you had a fast break. You went up for the dunk. You, were, you got caught. You got, you got hung, basically. You, know, you, you took off. I don't know if you took off too far or whatever the case may be. You fell on your back and you, you came to the bench and guys kind of laughed at you. Was that kind of like your welcome to, to college basketball moment where you were like, okay, I got to really focus in, lock in and, and, and figure out some stuff before uh, I could be an impact player?
3: Well, I've always been a huge competitor, so I really learned when I first got to campus. You know, the first day I got on campus was the day after my graduation of high school, and we were playing pickup with some of the old veteran guys, and the guys who had played at Tennessee, so I went up to dunk, and game point, got to game point, and caught a cramp on the rim, and that was the most embarrassing thing that happened. They All the old guys laughed at me and joked about like how I was going to make it and stuff like that, and then the entire summer, I worked hard trying to get my body in shape, and uh, I was competing with guys, and I had the talent, but I just wasn't ready physically. So then that Davidson game, I came in hard because they never re- recruited me, they never offered me. So I came in to the point guard workout before. I came in and ran a little bit. So first play I hopped in to get hung and lay on my back, something that you don't expect. So it really put me in the spot of, hey, uh, it's probably smart for me to work a little bit harder than I am, even though I'm working as hard as I have
1: in my life. I
3: have a lot more I can do.
1: Grant, describe the one-fly, we-all-fly pregame ritual. Obviously, this has become like a national phenomenon. It's so cool to watch, and it makes me, as someone that can never dunk, really uh, feel like I I, I get inspired by it because all the guys get inspired by it. Um, And obviously, it was liked by LeBron and Michael B. Jordan. Um, Take us through that.
3: Honestly, when we've been doing it for a couple years, it's just that it helps when you're winning. It magnifies certain things, but... We um actually have, after every 15-minute mark, we do a dunk before we go into the locker room. And this year, we decided to do something different and jump. Or, uh, we have a lot more things in our bag if we decide to bring them out. But uh, that's what we came up with. And to see it go viral and to see guys like LeBron and the Miami Heat do it and um, everything, all the guys who liked were, um, other colleges copying us was actually pretty, pretty goofy for us because we played West Virginia, and they did it before the game. So it just show, goes to show that certain things might translate, but we're still going to come out and, and beat, beat you down a little bit for uh, trying to, to mock us or do our thing. So it was actually uh, something that we,
0: we really enjoyed and we're um, hoping we can keep keep um, going. As they say, imitation is the biggest form of flattery. So, you know, take it as a compliment that other people are uh, swagger jacking y'all and, and trying and try <laughs> yeah. to do y'all pregame dunk, man. But, okay, turning the page a little bit, you uh, are on pace to graduate with a supply chain management degree uh, with a focus on marketing. Your mother currently works for NASA. Um, how important was were academics, you know, for you growing up? I know you played 10 instruments, you know, basically your entire life. Uh, you have a little keyboard in your room where you play and sing songs. How important was the focus on academics for you as a child?
3: Well, it was huge because my grandparents were educators. My mom was worked for NASA and my dad really appreciated it. So. Um, for them it was always about challenging myself in every part of life like whether it was musically whether it was academically or athletically they said if you can learn one you can learn another so that's the approach that I've taken in everything so I'm always open to learn something new and it's allowed me to grow both my IQ off the court and on the court so it's always been a household thing my brother is in cyber cyber cybersecurity so it's kind of cool to have so many supportive intelligent people around me but it's was also um, thankful for having that, because not many people do.
1: Great. As you said, you're kind of a, a renaissance man. I love the, the term. Uh, you chose Tennessee over Harvard and Yale um, and other Ivy League. What, what was that decision process like for you, and, and how hard was it to turn down an Ivy League education?
3: It was difficult, for sure, because... My mom was huge on it, and she really wanted me to attend Yale because she trusted the staff. But uh, I knew for me it was always about the relationship that I had with the coaching staff, Um, the relativity I was close to home so my grandparents and my parents could see me play. And also, um, I knew I wanted to compete at the highest level and to be able to put myself in this position at Tennessee with a guy like Coach Barnes, I'm thankful to – have this opportunity and, and to have proven my, to not only others, but to myself that I deserve to be here. So, honestly, I'm just excited to um, know that I didn't make the wrong decision, and I'm
0: thankful, and uh, I'm ready to keep on going for what we have right now. You guys have a chance to, to get to the Elite Eight. Um... Not not many teams or players, you know, are put in that position of where they can be, you know, player of the year, back to back, you know, first team All-American with a chance to potentially win a national championship. Um... How special is this opportunity you have in front of you? And and what's one thing fans should know about this Tennessee team as they prepare? As you said before, um, the media attention had, didn't really start coming until you guys started winning. You know, you guys have been doing that dunk uh, pregame with 15 on the clock for years, and now they're just starting to kind of publicize it. So what's some things that we don't know about this Tennessee team that we should know?
3: Uh, honestly, we're a bunch of clowns that just enjoy being around each other. And we love each other. We're a close, um, tight-knit group because... We've learned so many things over the years about each other. We're so close, just whether it was families or in life. So this team, uh, guys don't know that Jordan Bone is the biggest Drake fan in the world. Guys don't know that um, we have a certain uh, board game or card game that we play all the time, and we enjoy being around each other. So uh, that's the purpose of having a veteran team. And to have this opportunity to go to the Elite Eight is unique because not many teams have this opportunity. And we have to both enjoy the moment but we also have to understand we're here for a reason and we want to go further and we want to make more things happen. So in order for us to do that, we have to stay together and we have to continue to be this group that we, we claim and we know we are.
1: Grant, I want to take it back a little bit. I don't know if this is accurate, but I read uh, yesterday that, that you once would uh, used to wait in line for Harry Potter books. Is that is that, is
3: that accurate? <laughs> uh, back in the day, my mom and I used to just sit in line waiting for books in general. And Harry Potter was a series that we enjoyed, my brothers and I. But it wasn't uh, the only thing. I was, I was an avid reader growing up. Uh, I haven't had much time of recent, which kind of sucks. But when I get more time in my
1: hands, I hope to pick it back up. What are some of the favorite Grant Williams uh, Netflix TV shows, um, you know, away from the court? Honestly, I like I love cop shows
3: and uh, law shows. So, for me, it's always been shows like Chicago PD, SVU, Criminal Minds, or For the People, which is on Hulu now. And, um, honestly, I like to diversify myself. So, my brother loves anime, so I watch shows of anime. And... I have a little bit of, touch a little bit of everything when it comes to TV and whatever's recommended, I'll I'll enjoy. So Game of Thrones, my friend told me, was a good show. And at first, I was like, I'm not going into it
0: because everybody watches it. And then when I picked it up, I was like, okay, maybe maybe this is for me a little bit. Yeah, Game of Thrones is real, man. I would suggest you you know continue to watch that. Billions, there's a lot of good TV shows um, out there that are entertaining and bring a different di- dimension and allow you to kind of escape the day to day stresses and. Uh, things that come with, you know, the life that we live and allows you to kind of just relax and uh, unwind. But I read, I also read one other thing that I have to bring up before we let you go with two things. Uh, Your mom has always preached uh, the importance of writing out your goals. So you wrote out seven goals and one of them, or I think the first one is to go to the NBA. Uh, You haven't really told the public about the other uh, six goals that you have in place um, I think my question for you is something I ask all athletes and, and people who come on the podcast is the importance of speaking things into existence, having a plan and being able to to escape you know, the day to day stresses of basketball. So my question for you is um, you enjoyed reading since you were a kid. You know, you write your goals out and you do all those types of things. What are you looking to, uh, forward to doing uh, post basketball? Let's say you have a 10, 15 year career. You know, what do you want to be known for and how are you trying to impact the game outside of basketball?
3: Well, I love to make an impact no matter what I do, whether it's athletically or people I'm around. So I've always been an advocate of giving back, but I've also had interest in learning things about different cultures and maybe staying around the game. I would love to be a coach because I have a good personality for it, but also I would love to um, do something different, invest in different companies, and I have a broad sense of – a broad taste, and it's something that intrigues me, I'm gonna uh pursue it. So I've never had a closed mindset. So whether it's basketball or anything else, I hope to um grow as a person and as an individual.
1: Grant, C J touched on it earlier, but uh you know, of the ten instruments, w- what is your favorite to play?
3: Uh piano for sure because the most um it's the one I've practiced the most and it's also something that's played in my family. My grandfather plays it almost every single
1: day, my brother
3: plays it and uh, over time, lose certain instruments. Just like languages, because I'm, fl- I'm fluent in Spanish, you can lose a language because you don't practice it enough. So that's why I have that keyboard in my room to be able to sit down and play it every now and again. But piano is definitely
1: my favorite fluid instrument. Fluent in Spanish. CJ, cool. we, do have cool. a rena- we do have a renaissance yeah, man that's here. Cool. That's instrument, <laughs> in Spanish. <laughs> SEC, back to that player of the year. Come on, Grant. You're making us look bad. nah y'all got enough going for
0: (laughs) yourself that's impressive man but I I appreciate you coming on the pod man I wish you nothing but the best of luck not only in this NCAA tournament but in your future you know in the league and uh, beyond man so do your thing tomorrow I'll be watching Uh, enjoy enjoy college this could be last year so just enjoy those moments with your teammates like you've been doing and and go have fun man appreciate
3: that good luck for you as well I'm praying for uh, Yusuf as well Uh, good luck to us
0: this year thank you bro I appreciate that thank you Grant Once again, we want to thank Grant Williams for coming on the Pull Up Pod. Uh, Junior forward, All-American two-time player of the year uh, with a chance to get to the Elite Eight for the Tennessee Volunteers. Great kid, guy who speaks Spanish fluently, plays 10 instruments, Uh, mom, works for NASA, had offers from the Ivy League, but chose to go to Tennessee and be a volunteer. And now it's paid off and he's playing at an elite level. So once again, we want to thank you for coming on the Pull Up Pod appreciate all our listeners out there uh, as well, you know, tuning in faithfully you know, send some prayers up for our big fella Nurk Um, I wish him a speedy recovery I hope you guys uh, have a great week I hope the brackets uh, turned out well for all of you, I hope you were listening to Jordan Schultz and his predictions, you know, on his new show, you know, he's making predictions for those of you that like to gamble and make money and I think he's doing a pretty, pretty good job, you know, based on his record, what's your record Jordan?
1: Currently, uh, best bet seven, one and one. And uh, I think as a, as a whole, well into the 60th uh, percentile. So i um, feeling really good about it. But, you know, it's a day to day deal. And uh, it's only a matter of time before I go cold.
0: <laughs> but right now he's hot. So you might want to ride the wave. <laughs> but once again, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, radio.com backslash pull up with CJ or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to pull Pull up. up.